0: Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. When we aren't afraid of death, we are less afraid of life. From these episodes, I aim for all of us to take more risks in our lives, go after our dreams, have great relationships, and some fun in the process. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international bestseller, We Don't Die a skeptic's discovery of life after death. So today is a very special show. For those of you who are seeking an opportunity to communicate not only with your loved ones in spirit, but with your animal companions, both living and past, you are listening to the right episode. Our guest today is Charles Peden, who is an internationally recognized animal communicator and psychic medium who works equally well with animals and spirits of our departed loved ones. For the past eight years, Charles has worked alongside organizations such as SPCA, the Humane Society, and others. From his home office in the mountains near Sacramento, California, Charles provides his services worldwide over the telephone, using Skype on your computer, as well as in person. Should you wish to connect better with your pets or have a need for closure or simply just want to check in with your departed loved ones or family member or close friends, Charles can assist. So Charles Peden, welcome to We Don't Die Radio.
1: Thank you, Sandra, for having me on. It's a pleasure.
0: Yeah, I was excited just reading your um, bio just now and a little bit... Gosh, excited is the word. I get kind of nervous, kind of excited, because it's like opening up a present, and you never know what you're going to get. And I knew we spoke just a few minutes before we pressed the record button, and I knew you're somebody that we're going to fall in love with. So if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about you, because um, I don't think you woke up when you were a child and knew you wanted to become a psychic medium and animal no, communicator. No, I thought I was going to go into forestry. Forestry! <laughs>
1: right. I thought I was going to grow trees or something. I didn't know exactly what. I sat down with my guidance counselor. I remember this distinctly. I actually was working with the Forest Service. I was in one of those youth programs. I was about, um, oh man, I was 11, 12, 13 at the time. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I thought that was what I was going to get into, and at the time, the spotted owl issue was a big deal in western Oregon, where we're living on the coast, in mm-hmm. uh, timber country, you know, and logging country. And so, being a psychic medium, let alone uh, talking to the animals like Dr. Doolittle, was certainly the furthest thing from my mind. Right. It's not something I entertained as a thought, and we never sat down with a guidance counselor and said, so, uh, later on in life, this is what you're <laughs> going to be doing, and, um, no, it never came up. No. But there were things that were little precursors, if you will, to what the future held for me. And that would be around the age of three to five. There was incidents that occurred where I felt a presence. I saw someone who wasn't, quote, there, unquote, you know, a ghostly figure walking through the house. We had a fur uh, trapper, a fur trader who would come through Um, and. Then there was the incidents with my animals, where I had an animal who passed, and I saw her about six months after her passing. And I Mm -hmm. brought that up to the family, and they told me, well, that's not possible, and kind of encouraged me not to discuss things that weren't there, if you will. Hmm. So I suppressed it, uh, like I think most of us do when we have early childhood experiences that we can't really uh, communicate with our elders about and our uh, authority figures. And so, pretty soon, it was dismissed, and I got caught up in you know life, uh, trying to get good grades and yeah. sports and everything else. So, fast forward several years, and January twenty fourth of uh, two thousand six, I had a ghost appear in my house, hmm. and I didn't believe in ghosts. So I went through the majority of my uh, later childhood years and uh, you know my early adult years as a complete skeptic of anything of the paranormal nature. Right. And uh, so when that ghost appeared, um, I really didn't think it was a ghost. I thought it was actually someone burglarizing my house. That was kind of hard (laughs) to figure out. I was was on the second floor, and I turn around, and I see this woman standing behind me. And, you know, I'm in this condo on the second floor, and I'm looking at her going, wait a minute, how'd you get in here? You're not my wife. Uh, I'm on the second floor. There's no open doors or windows. What happened? And I do a double take, and she's still walking towards me. And this time, she enters this my back and exits my chest in that classic horror picture move. And uh, it was kind of like someone taking a DVD of their life experiences. And all of a sudden, you're a playda- uh, playback device for that experience. Hmm. And so all of a sudden, these emotions started to well up, these sensations that I couldn't put my finger on. I couldn't figure out where the, the origin of these feelings were coming from, but I could feel the feelings mm-hmm. of sorrow, of uh, loneliness, of why did it have to happen this way? And turned out she'd been murdered in her first trimester. Oh, my. Um, there was a situation where it would have been, um, well, not good for the father, shall we say, if he had this uh, child uh, wedlock mm-hmm. and it was a poor immigrant's daughter kind of situation or something like that. Long story short, after three months, uh, we crossed her over uh, with the assistance of another medium. And for three months, she was living with our family. And at first... I thought I was going crazy. Mm-hmm. But my wife confirmed. She goes, yeah, I saw the same woman walking from our bedroom through the hallway into our daughter's bedroom wow. two years ago. I didn't want to tell you because I would have thought you would have thought I was crazy. I said, well, honey, scoot over because I'm going to join you. Yes. <laughs> Call the men in the white suits. I'm ready. <laughs> and it was really scary at first. Sure, of course. Uh, but, oh, absolutely. I had no reference point to work off of. Family wasn't any help. Um, I had been dismissed or, you know, told to ignore those kinds of things or right. that they weren't real when I was a kid. Yep. So the people who I did go and talk to, we went to a local, and I don't want to name any names here, but I went to a couple of the local, um, metaphysical shops, shall we say? Yeah. And it only reinforced my, um, aversion to them. <laughs> oh, the okay. All right. The information they gave me was so, uh, offbeat or just off the mark that it was ridiculous. Hmm. Uh, none of it helped. And it didn't make any sense. And I have a background in computer science, and I'm very logic-oriented. I do my own programming in the past. I do all my own web design, so on and so forth. So 2 plus 2 always equals 4 in my world. Mm -hmm. And this thing right here that I was dealing with all of a sudden didn't add up. No. Except for the fact that there was too many historical records that confirmed everything, that my wife had had a similar experience with the same individual that someone on the East Coast who was a friend of a friend called me up and said, you have the ghost of Isabel with you. And I never told my friend her name. And I knew at that point that there was something going on beyond the obvious that there was a ghost appearing. You
0: just give me goosebumps. And that there was another
1: person who could talk to her. (laughs) Right. And she helped me cross her over that day after three months of her living with us. And so from the time period that it first took place, January 24th, to, I would say May, I think it was May 20th or May 17th of that same year, less than five months. I mean, it was just really fast. I ended up starting to work on a professional level for the public.
2: Wow.
0: Can you just back up for a second? When you mm-hmm. say crossover, yeah. um, just what what that mean? What does that mean?
1: Crossing over is where you have an earthbound spirit, and that's someone who hasn't really faced a life review. They haven't left the earthbound plane. They are still holding on to this existence, and they're not willing to continue their journey. It's like someone sitting in an airplane terminal and they haven't gotten on the plane. Okay. And so they tend to be caught up in their own—I don't want to say psychosis, but it's very much like you know you're kind of uh, sitting in a corner, going, "Oh my goodness, if only I'd taken a left instead of a right, I wouldn't have been hit by the bus." <laughs> you know, and right? You, so could you be, run over that for a hundred years in your mind? <laughs> yeah,
0: it could be denial. It could be fear. Exactly. It could be unfinished exactly. business. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And so a crossing over is simply where you make contact with that person who's not crossed over yet and they're really going up to a higher frequency. Hmm. And so when they go up to a higher frequency, then all of a sudden everyone who's in the spirit is all of a sudden visible entirely to them. Um, So while they're in that ghost kind of realm, they're kind of like in their own little hell, if you will. Yeah. In either world, and it's very frustrating to be in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, Best description I can give for it would be, imagine, if you will, one of your dreams where you uh, are in your dream and you're aware that you're dreaming and that you can move about and so forth. It's kind of like a lucid dream where you're aware that you're in your own home or something like that, but you can't escape, you can't wake up. That'd be a good description of what it's like to be a ghost and kind of have those problems.
0: So. I, had, I had something like that happen once it just I didn't even think of it. I was living in an attic bedroom mm-hmm. upstairs at my mm-hmm. mom's house. And I remember I went down for a nap. And I don't know lucid dreaming what it was. But I woke up. And this is what I thought, that I got out of bed, yeah. and I couldn't move down the stairs. I couldn't go down the stairs. And it just hit, and it scared the heck out and of me. And
1: it scared, yeah, exactly. I, I ended up I had
0: throwing a, myself out of bed, and I landed on the floor. And I'm like, it, it, it was so real. You know <laughs> what
1: you did? You had an out-of-body experience for a moment.
2: Oh, did
1: I? And I had a similar situation where I had popped out of my body. We had a ghost in the house at the time. Not her, a different ghost. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, explain okay and it became a revolving door ghost for the first five months and so what happened was um, I saw this ghost and I had already did my bedroom and when I had exited my bedroom I was in you know I was like having a dream but I was walking around my bedroom I could see my wife sleeping beside me I could see myself in bed and it was really bizarre but I get to my bedroom door and I walked right through it and there's this ghost standing in the hallway and I freaked out because I go oh my goodness my body it's unattended <gasps> oh no i got to go back. <laughs> what did oh you take Oh, my it?
2: Gosh. And
1: so I freak out, and I felt like I was on that, um, you know, the end of a, a, a extension cord that's being retracted on a vacuum cleaner yep. or something. And was, <laughs> I'm flying back into my body, and I'm going backwards into it. And I drop back, back down into it, and there was no loss of consciousness. I was in my body going straight from that lucid dream state. And I'm thrashing about, but only half my body is moving. Hmm. I hadn't fully settled in yet. <laughs> I oh, it was like only creepy. having a half a hand on the controls. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. And it was that momentary panic where I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm not. And then finally I felt myself fully settle in, uh-huh. and I was able to sit upright, and I just, you know, I chased after the guy and gave him, what, four an outcome.
2: Uh-huh.
1: But anyways.
0: Anyways, yeah. wild. Okay. There's so much more to us than meets the eye. It's crazy. Oh, it's And
1: one of the things that people talk about, and we need to address that early, is the other side. Okay. When we talk about the other side, I think it's a misnomer, because I don't see it as removed from us in any way whatsoever. The only thing that's removed from us is our perception. So, when someone is in spirit, they're just as much here as x-rays, gamma rays, or any other invisible energy form. Mm -hmm. That to us is beyond the spectrum of the naked eye and for some of our scientific instruments at this present time it's a challenge but if we were to talk about x-rays and gamma rays 300 years ago you'd be saying what
0: oh (laughs) yeah it's impossible even the wireless internet that's around us right now (laughs) absolutely
1: which is of course is how we do what we do with telepathy it's all binary code is my understanding so after discovering the ability to communicate with those in spirit, my wife had asked me, she goes, can you connect with someone at will, mm-hmm. as opposed to just having a ghost of someone show up? And so she asked me to connect with her grandfather. And there there's 15 specific questions that she asked, very specific, detailed ones. Like, what did he find on the side of a road and come back and give me one day as a gift when I was eight?
0: Wow, that's specific. Okay.
1: Okay. Hold on a second. Mm. he's showing me, a, it looks like a long-headed, long-necked, it's about six, eight inches, um, it's a stuffed animal, it looks like a horse, but it's kind of a weird neck. She goes, yes, it was a giraffe, stuffed giraffe. Mm. I'm like,
2: okay,
1: that's pretty good. <laughs> Real
2: good. And
1: she asked me, she goes, what kind of work did he do? He responds, he goes, well, it's cabinet work, I do carpentry, but I do finished cabinetry in kitchens. Uh-huh. She knew he was a carpenter. She didn't know he did finished cabinetry in kitchens. So she had to call her grandma that next day and ask grandma what grandpa did for a living, which she confirmed it.
2: Wow.
1: So after asking all those questions and getting them so solidly verified, we realized, okay, there's definitely something going on here. Now, at that point, we were living in Benicia, uh, which is a little bedroom community in the North Bay, uh, East Bay area, um, you know, near San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And so um, my... uh, wife she had made a friend downtown who uh, had this little bookstore it was a metaphysical store I wasn't real keen on the name because I didn't consider what I did to be a fairy tale but it was called a fairy tale Mm -hmm. and and so uh, he uh, told me he goes hey your wife informed me of what you've been doing what you're capable of doing would you like to perform readings uh, for the public at my store He's a, he goes, I could advertise it on my email list. Um, You could come in one day a week, and we could see how that works out. Yep. I'd never tried anything like that. I was like, hmm, interesting idea. Didn't know animals could talk yet. Only was talking to human spirits.
0: Okay. Wow, that's that incredible in and of yeah. itself. And this yep. was May.
1: So remember, I was a complete skeptic uh, at the end of January. Yep. By, Jan- by January 24th, I had the ghost appear in my house, and then... May 17th, I was starting to do readings for the general public. Oh, my so gosh. For the first day, I had eight appointments back to back. Oh,
0: and my gosh. And
1: I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew I could talk to spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. And I figured
1: it's as long as I can talk to spirit, I'm good. I'm golden. I, I don't even need to do anything. I'm just a I'm just a switchboard operator. So I go and sit down. And my first client sits down. And she goes, so what do you see in my career? I'm like, oh, snap. I <laughs> couldn't get briefed on this one. Yes. Not sure. Oh, wait a minute. You're you you work in a hair salon and you've got a new business you're opening up and the lighting is key. I keep seeing the lighting and it's such a big deal. And you've got this partner and I can see that there's too many cooks and I start going into great detail about the relationships about and I nailed everything. I gave her very sound business advice that she was extremely grateful for. God.
0: Are you just seeing it like in your imagination or knowing things? It's, or it's
1: a combination of things. Huh. So you know how, and I, I have to go back to the, uh, um, you know, uh, the references to like um, computer programming and stuff like that, because yeah. that's how I understand it. You know how when you have an Atari game card, you know, those uh, cassettes, or yeah. you know, you plug them in, plug and play. Right. There's no loading required, right? Right. It's just instantly there. there's information there. So that's one way I receive information. It's called a direct download with no knowledge of receiving the information. Um, it's. It's very frustrating for me to receive it in that fashion uh-huh. because I don't have an opportunity to process it. It's just there.
2: Okay.
1: Um, that's one way I receive information. Another is a very clear, I hear it. I can hear words. I can hear letter. You know, um, sounds when your cat's talking to me. Sometimes I'll hear their purr in the exact way it comes across. I might hear their meow or your uncle's raspy, tone of voice Mm -hmm. or your aunt who has an annoying high-pitched laugh all that stuff comes through okay um and i'll cover how that's all possible in just a moment but for me it's really a very visceral experience i hear see smell taste feel emotions and physical sensations wow nothing is off limits pretty much anything goes okay So, to me, it's like strapping into a roller coaster ride every day. (laughs) You never know where you're going to go.
0: No, and it's emotional, sure. Oh, extremely so.
1: Today, no exception. So, um, after discovering the ability to communicate with this person's um, information that she was seeking, and it wasn't just someone in spirit coming through, but it was actually real-world questions and being able to give real-world advice as Mm -hmm. opposed to just hearing Grandpa say, I love you still, you know? (laughs) It was like, wow, that's kind of exciting. That was different. Didn't expect it. Next person sat down. She goes, I'm nervous. I've never done this before. I go, that's okay. So am I. I've never done it before either. Little did she know. Right. And I see this dog coming through. I see this this german shepherd and I, I say to my client i go i got a german shepherd here does that mean anything to you she goes oh my god goodness that's my sister's dog and she jumps up and she, her sister was in the store and she goes hey sister come in sit down dog tells me how old she was when she passed what her cause of passing was so on and so forth wonderful connection mm. so i'm like wow dogs in spirit can talk too
0: that's cool
1: That's cool. That was my thought too. (laughs) Like that changes everything. Yeah. That's exciting because what I was discovering is if I went up and tried to practice on connecting with someone's loved ones in spirit, some people got squeamish when I said connect connect with your grandma, and
2: they're Mm -hmm.
1: like, "What do you want to connect with my dead relatives for? It's kind of weird." And yet, when it came to the animals, I discovered very soon. Uh, you could say, oh, by the way, I see your dog walking with you. You've got a, uh, oh, my goodness, you've got an Australian shepherd, don't you? He's eight years old. He tells me he drowned. So they're like, oh, you've got him? You've got Sparky. Can I talk to him? And it was a completely different reception. Sure. Uh, So that's one of the reasons I do focus on animals so much. I enjoy doing both. But Mm -hmm. the animals was a really good uh, way to kind of get your foot in the door with the whole concept of there being an afterlife. Right. And being comfortable with those ideas and such. So after that first day of readings, it became very clear that this was something that was going to definitely, Mm -hmm. you know, work out for me. Sure. And I was the head of the North American Seaglass Association. Um, I had a business called By the Bay Treasures. I was leading guided beachcombing tours and kayaking tours. I was on the Travel Channel. Wow. I was on Coastal Living Magazine. Uh, the San Francisco Chronicle, NPR. I was not hurting for press. <laughs> I was yes. not hurting for attention. I was quite happy doing what I was doing. I was not looking for anything else in my life. I was content. Yet there was a thing happening. And I started doing it, like I said, on the side one day a week. Uh-huh. And pretty soon it got to where I'd answer the phone, and it was by the Bay Treasures, And the company still exists because I sold it. In two thousand mm-hmm. But in um, I answer the phone and there it goes something like this. Yeah, I've got those drill bits. Mhm. Yeah, diamond tip, yeah, they'll drill the sea glass real well. Mhm. Yeah, there did you have a stillborn female six years ago? Oh jeez, Charles. This is an actual one that happened.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And she goes, Um, yes and I'm like, Oh, my bad. You're not ready to talk about that, are you? <laughs> She's like, No And I'm like about that drill bit order, that's 39 dollars hey, click, hello, honey, we oh. lost another one. Oh, I think I need to talk gosh. about my career. Yeah. <laughs> and it became a major issue. I mean, everything I was doing, anywhere I would go, it was cropping up. So I couldn't do my regular business without that interfering. Uh-huh. And that year, I hosted the North American Sea Glass Festival. I hosted the inaugural festival. This last year, they had the uh, over five thousand in attendance.
2: Wow!
1: Our first year, we had over a thousand in attendance, and we did very well. Mm-hmm. You know, the Coconut Grove and the uh, Santa Cruz Boardwalk.
2: Nice.
1: Um, like I said, not hurting for attention or something to do. Right. Quite content. But it became clear that there was something else going on, and maybe, maybe the world didn't need more people doing sea glass. They may, needed something else. Right. And so I had that conversation that everyone has with their mother after this happens to them.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sat down with her and said, So I'm thinking about being a, a Ghostbuster or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you should have heard her response. Oh, yeah, it I didn't can go imagine over very well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, like yes. a lead balloon. So now she's supportive, but back then of course, um no, uphill battle. Right. That was before I brought grandma through for her.
2: <laughs>
1: <Aww>. <laughs> and um so then, I think it was about four or five months later, and I was doing a reading for someone on the phone, and I still was holding on to my Buy the Bay Treasures, and I was looking for a buyer at that time. Um, but I hadn't seriously considered it, because I I did this thing where, after those interferences with uh, you know my business, I said, okay, university, you got to send me a sign. Someone out there knows what I need to do. Obviously, this is becoming an issue. So I got on my kayak, and I asked the universe to send me a crystal clear sign. Tell me what I'm supposed to do with my career, with my life. I go out in the Cartina Strait. For about 20 minutes, I'm just drifting around in the currents, and then I'm gently pushed towards the shore on the north side near Mm -hmm. Port Costa. I pull my kayak up to the shoreline, and um, I drop it on the high tide mark. And right off the bow of the kayak, six inches to the right, there's a skull. It looks like a human skull, like a day of the dead. Style oh skull. gosh
2: yeah
1: it's been sculpted you know it's about the size of a gear shift for a 57 chevy it's pretty cool looking looks like it's blaster of paris definitely handcrafted mm-hmm. and i look down at it and i'm like well could have found an incredible piece of sea glass i think that answers my question right oh yeah very clear turn around sold my business in 2008 probably the worst time considering the economy oh, sure. <laughs> sold it immediately i was shocked Everything worked. And so then I started to move forward with this full time. And that's when the animals started talking. And we went to the zoo and my wife told me, she goes, the cassowary bird, he tells me he's got a big head because he's got a big brain. I was like, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I still wasn't buying it. Then she told me, she goes, "And and the bears, when I asked them to look at me, they looked at me. I was like, yeah, right. It wasn't buying that you could talk to a live animal. Right. At this point, it was only deceased animals and only deceased humans. Yes. And general psychic information, like career and love and stuff like
0: that. (laughs) Stuff like that. It's so funny. It's like, yeah, just career, love, stuff like that. (laughs) Just, you know, deceased people and animals. Yeah, Nothing else. Go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) So then
1: doing this reading where I'm connecting with this lady, and her, her father's coming through. And it's a fantastic connection with her father, just really good material. It's just incredible how much detail he's bringing forth. And after our conversation with her father, um, then the uh, this cat jumps into the conversation. And the cat's telling me, he goes, my name's Maury, but it's spelled in a Jewish way. And he tells me he, he courted his person for three weeks sitting on a tree branch just outside her window. Uh, of her bedroom and so on and so forth everything's confirmed
0: is this a live cat or a deceased cat
1: that's the kicker i ask her i go you know this is great and everything i I love the connection we're having with maury but i have a little bit of a problem i can't figure out how he died how did he pass she goes he's alive she goes he's sitting on my lap and purring
0: oh my gosh my response was
1: um Um, excuse me, I know he's close to you. I can feel that his spirit's close to you, but seriously, how did he die? (laughs) She goes, you don't seem to understand. He's alive. He's alive? Oh, geez, that changes everything. Okay, wow. This is like seven months into it at this point. Okay. So at that point, I'm just in shock. And I'm I I call up immediately this person I know from the Sea Glass Association. I know that they happen to have a ranch. I know they have animals. I've Mm -hmm. never met any of the animals. I know nothing about them. I said to her, I go, look, I just discovered something kind of crazy. I need to run something by you. I discovered I can talk to live animals. She's like, okay. I said, just roll with this. Um, (laughs) Do you have someone you want to talk to? She goes, yeah. How about Frankie? I said, okay, your rat terrier. She goes how did you know he's a rat terrier? I said, well, that's what he is. He's like three, right? She goes, oh, my goodness, yeah, he's a three-year-old rat terrier or whatever he was. And then I said, well, he tells me he hurts. He he tells me his chest. It's on the right side. He, He says the other dogs punk him. She goes, yeah, they were punking him earlier this morning. I don't know anything about an injury. So while I'm on the phone with her, she goes and rolls him over, and there's a puncture wound on his right side, on his chest.
0: Oh, my.
1: She's like, oh, my goodness. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, thanks for the confirmation. Click. Honey, things are different.
0: That's so <laughs> wild. Oh, my gosh.
1: Oh, then I told her, like, okay, sorry about the castaway bird and the other comment about the yeah, The bear. They we're connecting with you. Got it. <laughs> so then I'm sitting here at a fairy tale. Love the name of the place. Right. Right. And, um, I mean, no offense to Ron Cordes. Ron, if you're listening into this, uh, yep. thanks for uh, <laughs> providing the space and being a friend. But, um, yeah, then the next thing that happens is I've got live animals connecting with me. And this gentleman walks in. His name's Peter Wilson, and he's the director of the North Bay Humane Society. And he says, well, we're holding uh, an upcoming fundraiser, and we're soliciting donations from area businesses. Would you be interested in donating? And I didn't have a client at the time. I'm sitting at the front of the store. And um, I said, you know what? Tell you what. I'll, I'll donate a reading. Mm-hmm. You can have a, a half hour, an hour, you know, a gift certificate to put in your uh, auction. He goes, oh, that's fantastic. We'd love to do that. And so he he does that with me. Well, a week later, he contacts me. He goes, I have a problem. I've got this dog that I can't figure out. Can you talk to the dog for me? And so I reach out to the dog, and the dog tells me, I'm from American Samoa. I'm from the South Pacific Islands. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're in Vallejo. How would you come from the South Pacific Islands, dog? Like, bring it up. So I mentioned it to him. He goes, absolutely. We just had him surrendered from the uh, couple that just moved here from American Samoa. Wow. I'm like, you're kidding me. Really? Okay. He's talking. So I asked the dog, I said, what else you got to say? And he goes, well, the homemade food that he made with the oatmeal and the, um, and the uh, eggs, that was really good. I want more. And, of course, Peter had done that for him. He made some homemade food for him.
0: My jaw is just, like, dropped to the ground right now. (laughs) Like, oh,
1: my gosh. And so then Peter, um, he tells me, he goes, hey, listen, um, how about you do us one better? Uh, Can you be there in person so that our guests can Uh connect with their animals through you? And he said, we'll pay you. I said, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Let me get this straight. This is a fundraiser, and you're going to pay me to be at your fundraiser. Mm -hmm. Let me consult with my accountant. And, of course, they gave me a green light, and, you know, <laughs> I looked in the mirror.
2: <laughs> and
1: so, um, long story short, that began a relationship with them over the course of the next several years, where I would show up at every architecture event, and I would do a fundraiser, you know, um, talking to the animals for them. We also did a film shoot with radio television Luxembourg out of Europe uh, right. with them, and so on and so forth. It was a blast. And I also got the opportunity to connect with John Provost, who played Timmy on Lassie, and have done work with him, too.
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: Yes, yes. And his wife, Lori Jacobson, is fantastic as well. Uh, She's a Hollywood uh, historian and author and television producer. So long story short, um, I pretty much after that started doing a lot of different fundraisers for, like, Rehorse Rescue Ranch, um, uh, let's see here, the SBCA. And other groups, uh, there was even a rat rescue group, and so on and so forth. And it was really uh, just an absolute blast. I think one of my highlights was once in Chicago, I was doing a, a fundraiser for a launch of a, a rescue called canine dot org. Hmm. And they do bully dogs. That's their primary focus, you know, the bully breeds. So I'm bringing through this pit bull who had a harness that was created for him, and I'm describing this pit bull to this audience, and the and this one woman says, yeah, yeah, I've got a pit bull, but he never had the chance to use the harness is what I'm saying. And she goes, yeah, he died right before he was able to use it. We were trying to retrofit it and get it sized for him properly and stuff, but he died right before he had the chance to utilize it. He wants to, his message was, please tell her that even though I never got to use it, the fact that she was doing that for me meant a lot. And I really appreciate the gesture. Oh. And there was more to it, but that was the,
2: the, yeah.
1: the gist of it. So right on the heels of that, I see a monkey.
2: Hmm.
1: Okay. It's a capuchin monkey. And I'm like, no, uh-uh. No, I'm working with rescue uh, bully breeds. Why am I seeing a monkey? This doesn't make sense to me. No. The monkey's very adamant. They're like, you bring me through. So I tell the audience, I go, guys, I know we're doing a uh, rescue, but uh, you know, for bully breeds, but uh, i got a monkey here, Capuchin. The woman who I just brought that dog for, she goes, yeah, I know that monkey. It was tied to her childhood, and she had had a really close relationship with a monkey. And um, so I was like, okay, yep, just got to roll with whatever you see, no matter where you're at. Right. And so, yeah, there's some pretty incredible stuff that will happen from time to time. Um one of the big focuses I have, even though it's something that's not in, what I would say enjoyable, mm-hmm. is missing animal cases.
0: Oh, I deal yeah. with Tell us about a that. lot of
1: those. And I recover a lot of animals.
0: Oh, that's Unfortunately,
1: so nice. not every story is a happy one. Right. I do recover a lot of bodies, too. And sometimes all we can find is little bits of fur or whatever. or we aren't able to find anything on a physical level because of the nature of the predatory environment or street Mm -hmm. maintenance, sanitation, crews, so on and so forth. And so if that happens, and this is what happened today, where the odds of locating the body of this one dog I was connecting with today are really slim to none. However, we reached out to a family member connected to the party who I'm working with. So we now pull in a party that we know for a fact is deceased, human. And we asked them to confirm the connection by describing their age, manner of passing, and physical appearance Mm -hmm. to me. I bring that forward. It's confirmed. He actually told me he worked for Pratt & Whitney. It's where he worked all his life. And then he um, confirmed, you know, very clearly, yep, that's the dog. Yep, nope, the dog's not with us. Nope, that's what happened to the dog. And so now, even though we're not going to be able to necessarily recover that dog's physical body, we have a third-party confirmation from someone who we know for fact is in spirit and who has provided very specific detailed information about themselves. And so it's a way of getting closure, even if it's not necessarily physical poss- physically possible. So Sometimes I'll use that technique to deal with a particularly difficult case. Yeah. Um, on occasion, other animals will discuss where the missing party is. But that's only if the other party is incapacitated and not able to communicate directly themselves.
0: Oh, my goodness. You have a story on your website um, about a missing... Chewy? Yeah.
1: I think yeah, so. Yeah. That that was such a cool case. He went missing in Tucson right after his family moved there. And it was really funny because one of my criteria for confirming a connection is, well, the way I work is no no descriptions. Don't describe your animal to me. I don't want to photograph. I don't want to know what breed we're dealing with. I don't want to know what age they are. Right. All I need is a name. And the species, that's it. So using that alone, I'll tell you what they look like, how old they are, all that other information to confirm the connection. Then at that point, anything that's brought forward after that has a lot more weight to it. A lot of people are going to ask you, what do they look like? How old are they? What is their temperament? And so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. At that point, there's no burden of proof on your uh, psychic
0: whatsoever. Right, right.
1: And that's not good because then you can spin anything
0: yeah of course and i think that's why most of us were skeptical in this oh, whole world of the paranormal
1: oh yeah <clears throat> it's like that um well anyways so chewy. with uh the process let me talk about the process yes, a little bit yes. after we talk about chewy so chewy okay. tells me he goes yeah i'm eight but he's not eight he's actually a different age and then when the family tells me he's not eight i go back to him i go okay how old are you really he then tells me his correct age i bring it forward it's confirmed then I ask him again about the 8th, and I go, why did you mention 8th? He goes, I'm on 8th Avenue. I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah. There's a roofing supply company, and he starts describing all these details, and he tells me he can't go anywhere because his paws hurt. Oh. Well, they go and drive right to the spot. They drive right over to 8th Avenue. Sure enough, he's sitting right there. He's got water. That was one of the questions. Does he have access to water? He mm-hmm. confirmed yes. He was sitting right next to a leaky garden hose. And it was a roofing supply company that he was sitting next to. And they, the way he relayed that it was a roofing supply company, he kept showing me those devices that are used uh, to convey uh, roofing tiles up onto a roof. You know, those conveyor systems on uh, trucks? Yes. are used in commercial applications. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, located another cat where the cat described in detail the fact that there was this overwhelming smell of paint in the area, freshly sprayed paint. There's only one house in the neighborhood that had a fresh coat of paint applied within the last week. We found that cat immediately. It was in the yard immediately across the street from that house and so little things like that come in quite handy. I think one of the more unusual ones was a missing turtle, and the turtle I was like sitting here going, "Okay, yeah, right, you got a missing turtle. How far is a turtle gonna get? Are you serious? <laughs> okay, I'll try to keep a straight face. So you've got a missing turtle, yes, right. And I talk to the turtle, and the turtle describes to me what type of turtle they are, the pattern on their shell, what size they are, and I bring that forward, and it's all confirmed. I mean, I get excited, because now I know I have contact. <laughs> and this I didn't is expect so it. This so
0: sweet. It really is. And uh. <laughs>
1: so the turtle goes, I'm in the dirty laundry, and all I can smell is dirty laundry, and I'm being told it's in the boys' room, and that the turtle was in the boys' pile of dirty laundry. Well, my client's insisting that her house never has piles of dirty laundry in it. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, right. In what world do you live in? Yeah, exactly. But uh, nope, it's confirmed um, because it, then the turtle goes. But I'm not in the house. I'm in another building. I'm in the laundry room. Hmm. It's in the garage. So I bring that forward she goes, there's no way my turtle's in the garage because you have to leave the house, you have to exit the door, you have to open another door and go in that door and there's just no way. Right. Turtle's adamant. I'm in the pile of dirty laundry in the garage. (laughs) Oh, this is great. In the laundry room. So she hangs up. She calls me back about, I think it was 20 minutes later. She goes, yeah, we got our turtle. He was in the dirty laundry. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. boy I picked up the turtle four days ago. Carried the turtle in with the dirty clothes and yeah. dropped it in the pile, and the turtle was almost dead because there was no, you know, limited oxygen and whatever oh, else, and no water, no food. Well, they can last for a while, but you get the idea.
0: Charles, this is just <laughs> I don't freaking think they phenomenal. The,
1: the wash cycle. I don't think that would have been good.
0: you just, I mean, you're just phenomenal. I I am so happy to be talking to you because I was ta- I live with my aunt, who's just ten years older than me, and um,
2: mm-hmm. uh
0: we were talking about animals and we have yes. a cat named Harry and mm-hmm. the love that we feel for our animals. I believe, cause now I've lost both people and pets, but in some cases the love for the pets is more than love for people because of that unconditional love.
1: Well, I don't like, I like that you acknowledge the bond, but I don't like calling it unconditional because I tell you,
0: Oh, there are tell plenty me. of
1: dogs, cat, <laughs> they have told me there's uh, lots of conditions. You don't see that's a condition. <laughs>
0: well, we have a cat.
1: But Here. it's a much purer connection, and I think a lot yes. of it is that we are more honest with them. And here's the kicker. Where we live in society today, we have this big idea that we have something called privacy. It's uh, a, right. a hot-button issue. Okay. You know, it's constantly being eroded by Google or by Facebook or some other entity. But the fact of the matter is, when it comes to the other side, to those in spirit, to our animals who communicate on a telepathic basis 24-7, privacy is a fallacy. It does not exist. It simply is not there. When I talk to a dog, or any other animal for that matter, and Mm -hmm. I ask them how they relate to humans, they tell me almost invariably, humans are like open books. I'm like, oh, Really? So you pretty much know anything you want to about, oh, yeah, we spend enough time looking into their bass and whatever. We can see anything we want to. I'm like, wow. So you, um, yeah, I know about that. <laughs> I'm Isn't like, okay. that interesting? So I had a client not too long ago who complained that their dog was very human aggressive, to a particular individual, and I ask uh-huh. the dog who it is, and the dog describes this person in detail. The client confirms that this is the person they're having a problem with their dog with, and I say to the dog, what's the problem? The dog goes, he's casing the electronics. excuse me? So this is the guy who's doing the tile in the bathroom. Yeah. He's a tile guy. Now, apparently, this contractor is not all on the up and up. Right. And three weeks later, he gets arrested for burglary in the town over that he had just finished doing work in. So the dog knew he was bad news and tried to let his person know. And um, they'll oftentimes share little secrets. I had a, a, an event uh, that took place not too long ago at uh, Jack London Square where I was doing a, a fundraiser for the SPCA. And this, uh, this couple came up with their uh, beautiful golden lab. They mm-hmm. sit down. And the dog turns to me and goes, I go to the track. I was like, oh, you, you go to the track. What do you do at the track? He goes, I sit in the car in the parking lot. My dad goes in and bets on the, ho- on the ponies. Uh huh. And I happen to know that that exit is one exit off of the big off leash dog park, Point Isabel. And this is um, Gold Gate Fields that we're talking about. Okay. So um, I bring that up, and uh, the gentleman immediately starts walking off. His wife calls off after him. She goes, Honey, do you gambling again? He goes, I knew this was a bad idea. He rumbles under his breath and walks off. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that was an interesting start. Um, what else he got for me, dog? He turns to me and he goes, My boy doesn't play with me anymore. He only to play his video games. And I'm looking at the ten year old boy there. And he's sitting there with his mom and the dad's already gone off in a huff. And so I turn to the mom and I'm like, Well, you know, your dog tells me the boy doesn't play with him anymore. She goes, That's true. But what game is he playing? So I was like, Hey dog, bail me out, what game is he playing? dog's like, oh, Call of Duty. He shows me the box cover art for Call of Duty. So I bring that forward. Boy's jaw, a jaw drops. He looks at me, looks at his mom, looks at the dog, and I don't think he'll ever be the same
0: again. Holy
2: cow!
1: Got ratted out by the dog as to what he's doing. And I thought it was hilarious.
0: This is so <laughs> H- happens awesome. All the time. Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> so the bottom line is this. To me, dogs and cats and every single other species, they're just like you and I. There's only one difference, the vehicle we have here. Right. That's the difference in our experience level and everything else. But a soul is a soul. A vehicle is a vehicle. So when you pull up to a stop sign and the person sitting next to you is driving a little scooter on your left and the person sitting next to you on your right is driving a Mack truck, you, you don't think any less of them or any more of them. Right. They're just vehicles on the road of life just like you and I. And so at the end of the day, when we all get out of our vehicles, we happen to be on a level playing field. We don't go separate places. They have souls. They're not soulless. Some people want us to believe. And so from where I'm sitting, it's a a very dynamic existence where they're constantly reading our minds on a telepathic basis. The way that that works is through binary code.
0: Say more about that. Just like a smartphone. You mentioned binary code before, and I didn't know what you mean.
1: When I'm first reaching out to somebody. First thing I'm looking for is a yes or no response. So it's kind of like when you call somebody on the phone and you either hear it ringing actively on the other end or there's dead air, meaning it's not active, right? Right. So if I go to connect with someone, if they're responding, typically what I'm going to feel is a little pulse of energy, a little feedback loop that's coming through. And that's the equivalency of somebody going, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, okay, go ahead, you know? Yeah. And if nothing's coming through, they're just not answering or they're ignoring you or uh, incapable of doing so at the time. And so what happens is it's kind of like working with rabbit ears on an old antenna where initially you may be dealing with a fuzzy image that's coming in. It's a little unclear. You can get the outline. You can kind of see that you're dealing with a cat versus a dog, so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden the picture just gets crystal clear, the color comes flying in, smells, sights, sounds, it's all there. And so it can, all, it can be at various levels of either a, a tentative connection or one that's so connected that you feel like you're experiencing it firsthand. And there's everything in between. Oh, fantastic. And so with binary code, let's talk about what the human body actually does, or any body okay. for that matter. It's a vehicle. So a vehicle has sensors, like your curb sensors, that alert you. Oh, you idiot! You're scraping the curb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your parallel parking needs attention.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when we burn our fingers, say for example, you touch a hot plate and all of a sudden you burn your hand. Right. There's a split second delay. What's happening during that split second delay between you registering the pain and the pain actually being delivered to your hand or the the burn? Right. There's information that's traveling up your nervous system that's really just uh, similar to a hard-wired system in a car or anything else. It's just like the electrical wiring. And there's a little packet of data that's traveling up that nervous system, up that wiring, and that little packet of data is comprised of little blips of energy and flat lines. Basically, binary code. So the same way that your smartphone can show you pictures in full color with movement, like a video clip. Yes. Sound. Yes. Or um, can, you know, bring across all this text, or, you know, you get the idea. The same way all that's taking place, same way that I'm receiving what I'm receiving, no different. I don't need to understand how binary code works. I just need to understand how the interface works. So when we're told to meditate, we make a big mistake. Most of us have been told, clear your mind. Right. Compartmentalize. Identify, label, and clear. Yes. You just threw the baby out with bathwater. Congratulations. You are now ready for a nice, deep sleep. Rip Van Winkle would be proud. Okay. Because then at that point, um, you just missed everything coming in. And just like a smartphone, there's multiple sources of information all displayed on one screen. So regardless of whether you're receiving a Skype call from Hong Kong or you are playing a game that's on your hard drive on your phone, It makes no difference. You're playing it on the same screen. It's interacting the same, correct? Right, yeah. Right. Mind is the very, it's the same. There's no difference really. So when you look at your mind, one of the first things to do is start asking yourself, and this is the kicker, did I put this piece of information here? Was this self-generated? Is this a piece of information coming from another source? Okay. What you're looking for is a little energy pulse. The energy pulse is a yes. It's going to feel like a sac electrical discharge, a mild adrenaline burst, or something akin to that. Kind of like that feeling you get when the goose—you know—you get the goosebumps on the back of the neck and your hair goes up and stuff like
0: that. Which has happened like twelve times since we've been talking, by (laughs) the way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) it never happened.
2: Uh, Anyways,
1: so what happens is that as you're making connections with those yes and no's, yes is a energy pulse, a no is a flat line. Um, it will start to morph into full images and other stuff in your mind. So usually, initially, the connection's very yes-no formatted, but it quickly morphs into a much richer, more uh, you know, enjoyable experience in the sense that it's more visceral, there's more data there. I'll give you a really good example. I was on a safari not too long ago.
2: Fun.
1: And <clears throat> we met this uh, Cape Buffalo. <clears throat> and this Cape Buffalo, great buffalo, uh, we'll call her um, Sally. Uh, not her real
2: name. Okay.
1: i got to protect the identity. Absolutely. Yeah. So the safari uh, tour guide who was driving the Jeep, and he uh, he stopped in front of the Cape Buffalo, and he goes, does Sally have anything she wants to tell us? We're on film. We're being filmed for this on camera. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I asked Sally, and Sally's response was very quick. And she goes, Yes, those apples, the ones he brings by. Oh, my goodness, they're so good. And all of a sudden, I got the sensation of this red, delicious apple exploding in the back of my throat. I could feel the juices running down. I could tell you how crisp it was, what flavor it was, uh, how sweet it was, um, the temperature, I could tell you. Um, you know, all these details were coming rushing through concerning this apple that she had enjoyed. So I bring that forward, and he goes, no one knows about that. Oh, it's not beautiful. on her menu. But I sneak her one every day.
2: <laughs> that's so beautiful
1: and the, and so of course you know she's asking for another one and telling me how much she enjoys getting them from him which I thought was really cool now the big difference is if we were communicating in English it would have gone something along the lines of I really miss the apple he brings me mm-hmm. and I would have gone oh really what kind of apple well it's a yellow apple okay what else you know so on and so forth you get the idea yes Whereas with the telepathic connection, it was a visceral connection where it wasn't just an image of an apple. It was me feeling that sensation of her eating that apple and all the sensations that go with it. So to take that a step further, I was at a dinner party uh, with some SPCA volunteers and also some people who work in wildlife rehab, which I did not know at the time. I thought it was strictly domestic animals that we were dealing with initially. And... um, we're sitting there enjoying dinner, and this one person finally says, so you're, you're the guy who talks to animals, right? I was like, well, yes. Uh-huh. Like, um, so are you picking up on anything today? I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, there's a large bird. And, oh, my oh that's nasty. Ugh. Oh, no. <laughs> Whose job is it to feed him microwave-thawed frozen mice?
0: Oh, disgusting.
1: Oh, my God. You have no idea. That was the worst flavor I'd ever had in my mouth.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> I'm sitting at the dinner table nasty. trying to get it out of my mouth. I'm like, hey, more wine, please. And, oh, boy, it was nasty. So then uh, the owl tells me, he goes, and by the way, let me just tell you the difference. And all of a sudden I could taste what it was like to have a fresh mouse in my mouth. And it was uh-huh. like, oh, foodie revolution. Uh, revelation. Oh, my, go- oh, that's so good. I'm going to get a steak tartare. It was crazy. It was like, you know, night and day. So I bring that forward. <laughs> That's funny. And this gentleman's saying to my immediate right, he goes, yeah, it sounds like you're connecting with my owl. I said, excuse me? He goes, yeah, I work in wildlife rehab, and we've got this owl that just came in. That's my job. I feed the owl the microwave-thawed frozen mice. I <laughs> go, so really? Okay, you want to know how he broke his wing, his right wing? Hit a utility line. And he goes, yeah, we were wondering about that. Yeah, it's his right Amazing. wing.
0: Amazing. Yeah. And that was that. Wow. So
1: wild animals communicate at the same level. There's no difference.
0: I'm I'm just uh, stunned right now. We have a cat named Harry and Mm -hmm. he loves my aunt loves my aunt follows my aunt everywhere cuddles with my aunt he takes a look at me and he's just like yeah whatever like he doesn't jump on my lap nothing and I get Mm -hmm. I've always thought well you know it's okay some animals love people certain people more than others and today I had to take him to the vet and of course you know it's me taking him. he really didn't want any interest and what this is (laughs) telling me is I like I love Harry but I like I can Mm -hmm. talk to him I can be with him more and it's to take more of an effort to and it's fine if donna's his favorite but just to love him well, and that happens
1: him. in every single and that's one of my actual go-to questions oftentimes to verify a strength of a connection is i was having a chat with a parrot the other day in india <laughs> who had gone missing this was last week
2: well, i
0: don't mean to laugh but it just sounds funny and, well, it, and yeah, it's beautiful you know, what you do wait but, till i
1: tell you about the rattlesnake.
0: snake
2: okay
1: and or rattlesnakes, snakes i should say And so I'm chatting with his parrot, and the parrot tells me very clearly what direction he was seen leaving the home, how old he is, Mm -hmm. how long he's lived there, what his house looks like, in the sense of what his cage looks like, whether it's round or square and so on and so forth. And so I've got a wealth of detail coming through. Mm -hmm. Then I ask him, I go, where are you? He's like, hmm. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. He's like, no, I'm having a good time. I'm not in a hurry to come back. My wings are, yeah, they're, they're doing good right now. I'm like, yeah, we're not going to see him anytime soon. Right. And then he says, by the way, the person you're talking to, I really don't care about. I really love the mom, his wife. I'm bonded to her. Yeah. She's my person. I bring that forward, and she's listening in, it turns out. And she immediately confirms. And so I'm hoping that he has enough of an emotional bond for that to sing to him and for him to want to come back. But there is something I run into, and this is a very, very difficult tightrope I walk and that is exotics. Iguanas, yeah. even fish, and others that we keep in a um, fairly unnatural setting. Right. And with the parrots, unfortunately, they're very, very communal. And yes. so they want to be in a huge flock. I had this one bird I was talking to after his passing. He showed me him flying down the Amazon with all these other birds wingtip to wingtip. And he's like, I'm finally able to do what I was meant to do. And so that's a really tough area to, to be in. But, um, you know, I have to deal with those too.
0: Do you, Charles, believe our souls have purposes on life uh, in our lives now, both animals and human beings?
1: I do, but I think the purpose is a lot more benign than most people think. What do you mean? I think most people put too much importance on in the sense of saying, you have a particular life lesson that you need to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not what I've been hearing as far as the message from the other side. The message from the other side, if there is a general consensus Mm -hmm. as far as why we're here, it's to have the opportunity to take a step out of a video game environment where there is no serious consequence for your actions to a point where you can't die on the other side. So there's no... Uh, challenges, like if you're on a roller coaster where you feel like you might be launched into space at any moment. Right. You know, that's exciting. Sure. And when you're in a static environment where there is no opportunity for loss or you you have to have loss in order to have gain, then it it becomes boring. It's not very exciting. It, it, It kind of, there's no reason for being almost. But I don't want to say anything entirely like that. No, I, don't really I back understand. I'm backpedal there, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. I do. They make it very clear that being here is an incredible gift, that there's a high demand to come here, hmm. that those who come here are aware of the difficult situations they're stepping into, yet they're willing to take those odds and move forward anyways, Think about the child as being born into difficult conditions in any third world country, sure. even in our own. Yes. And I have a firm belief that, from my experience, that they have a pretty good idea that that's about to happen. And yet they're comfortable with it to the point where they're like, well, you know, beach having no shot at it. I'll take it. Play the lottery? Okay, sure. Let's see what happens. And so it's a way for the soul or for the spirit to challenge itself and to grow and to have these experiences that are visceral in a sense that we wouldn't have them if we were not here. So when you are on a video game in avatar mode, or where you're invincible, the game is initially fun, but then it becomes boring and loses its interest because the stakes no longer are there. Yes. So I see a great stream of continuity that runs through our lifetimes, and it's not a set of... Or a series of starts and fits and stops and stuff like that There's a lot more continuity running through And people oftentimes ask me about reincarnation I get asked about it every day I see where that may take place But certainly not in a time frame that people think There's no situation that I've run into yet Where an animal has come back to a person during a present lifetime Hmm. After passing in an initial body And the reason for that is numerous The reasons are numerous One of them being, do you remember your past life?
0: Not so much, no.
1: Thank goodness you don't. Can you (laughs) imagine getting in a brand new car and all of a sudden you you get a quarter mile down the road and check engine light comes on, the windshield's cracked, you can't see through it, the tires are all bald, the transmission's shot and you turn around you go back to the dealership and you're like, excuse me, um, yeah, Mr. Car Salesman, you sold me a lemon. He looks at you and laughs for a second he goes, sir, you have a brand new vehicle you really got to let that old vehicle get out of your head because it's holding you back. And you're like, oh, that's right. It's brand new. I can actually look through the windshield again. I don't have cataracts. And you're off and running. Yeah. So if we had all those past experiences with our physical ailments coming in on our new one, let alone all the material from those relationships and so on and so forth, it would become overwhelming. Definitely. And so as a result, because the vehicles that we have can't They don't have an interface that can handle the amount of information that we process while in full spirit. As a result, we have a safety mechanism that shields us from that so that we can focus on this time around doing what we need to do in this particular vehicle. And if we were to turn around and reincarnate while those individuals that we just had that trip with were still living, then we shortchange the opportunity for back end closure and for the opportunity to watch over and guide them in spirit as they continue to move forward prior to joining us.
0: Oh, That's that's the next question I was going to ask you is when our days do come to depart this lifetime are we going to see again our pets and our people?
1: Absolutely, it's one of the very first things that takes place and regardless of what time period they're from and regardless of what the connection with the animal is, I've seen them connecting with us. So I have a client who, she's got to be in her 90s. And one of the readings I did for her, um, it was actually in a group setting where I had these rabbits come through and they were shown to me as little pieces of rabbit being cut up. Hmm. I was a little bit perturbed. Sure. I was like, uh oh, we got, oh, maybe we had a dog who ate really well and they fed the dog rabbit. All I right. don't know. So I'm trying to figure that out, and um, finally I just realized, yeah, she's got rabbits that she raised, and I need to address that. So I bring it forward, and then I tell her about seeing them as food. She confirmed she raised animals for food, and they were rabbits. And that ever since I had brought through her dog, she had been worried I was going to bring through the rabbits because she had guilt over them. And so the rabbits came through in spirit, and they said, hey, listen, please, we understood our role when we came down here. We knew we were prey animals. We had a sense that we weren't going to last long. It's, it's a tough game. But, you know, in the long grand scheme of things, the way we went was much preferable to a predator ripping you apart, to sickness, to the elements, and all these other things. And they said, you know, at least he was quick and fairly humane. I was, like, sitting there kind of in shock going, wow, wasn't expecting to bring that through for someone. <laughs> That's kind of odd, but comforting too
0: well it also makes me think of the animals that we actually eat you know our ground mm, beef the, and chicken the millions and, and millions of them correct yes do they know what they're coming into
1: they do see i used to be a staunch vegetarian when i first came into this
0: yeah i would i would just guess well yeah uh-huh. i can
1: understand and that. i'm going to probably tick off more than a few people but uh, i'm not right. a staunch vegetarian because all life feeds off of other life for the most part yes It's the way it's set up down here. And I subscribe to the Native American way of viewing things, where everything has spirit. And I'm including rocks and creeks and rivers and everything else, because we we could do a whole other show on that. But um, they would honor the spirit of the animal that had provided sustenance for them, and they'd make sure that they did not waste it and, you know, treat it with disrespect. So the relationship that they had with their prey was much different than what we have today. Today, it's such a sanitized version that you tell a kid that McNuggets come from chickens, they're like, what? Are you kidding me?
0: (laughs) I know it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they don't put two and two together, or at least a lot of them don't. Um, One of the big things I want to do is to start to teach other people to do what I do. Because it's not that difficult once you start to understand the concepts that are employed and how to make that contact it's understanding the binary nature of the communication and understanding that our mind is um, a viewing area for more than just our own thoughts. And that when you have that, a song coming through in your mind that you haven't heard for a while and all of a sudden you're hearing sitting on the dock of a bay and you're going, wait a minute, my grandpa used to sing that song all the time. Grandpa, is that you? And if you get a little pulse of energy coming through when you say that and you start to get tears welling up through you and you're going, wow, I'm getting emotional, I can't even really put my finger on it, but boy, Grandpa, and you say his name again and you get this energy wash over you, oh yeah, you're connecting with Grandpa. He's contacting you.
0: Charles this is amazing I'm just looking at the clock and it's time for us to bring this episode to an end unfortunately but a question you know just a personal question because I I, well it's not that personal it's just pretty much my (laughs) aunt and I have suffered a lot of loss both in Mm -hmm. our family and with our pets Um, and obviously we're across the country from you is can we find a way to call in together and book an appointment oh,
1: absolutely. with you and yeah, do that, that kind that of thing. That would certainly be not a problem. Okay. I, I work worldwide. Um, I have clients in every single corner of the globe pretty much every day. Gosh. Um, I, well, one thing we didn't talk about, and that okay. is language barriers. There is yeah. no barrier. Um, I've channeled in foreign languages, Hebrew, Tagalog, uh, Cantonese, you name a language I've spoken. I don't understand what I'm saying, but I just parrot what I'm hearing from spirit. So there's all kinds of things that are possible.
2: Oh, amazing.
1: Um, but, yeah, certainly doing it um, regardless of where you are in the world is not a problem. We I, can
2: I do love a Skype that.
1: conference. We could do it uh, just a phone, regular phone whatever. conference. Um, we can do it in a chat room. makes no difference to me.
0: Do you know, it's interesting because even though I've done all the research I have about life after death and talked to lots of people and heard these great stories, you know, I'm still human and I have my... A, a doubts or down days or sad days and just you just boosted my spirits so much oh, right now and it's just like it's just like a nice little reminder that we don't die this is real no. you know oh, and, absolutely and be compassionate you don't want it to be yeah exactly <laughs> but but it really does impact our lives and even just the visceral experience you're talking about is just yeah to yeah. really feel our use our senses and well the and, first thing that happened
1: to me when it all took place when i had that first experience of the ghost appearing was it wasn't so much fear it was this wash of relief because my understanding of course uh which a lot of people share is that at death you snuff out and that's it and I was scared because oh, yeah. it was like, well, gee, man, that means like you're doing all this work and you can't save it. It's like playing a video game where you don't have a save mode. Right. <laughs> Did not like. And then I come to find out that there's an indelible record made of absolutely anything and everything you ever do. Um, you know, some people call it the Akashic Record or mm-hmm. whatever. And that that's accessible by anyone else in spirit. And that they can read that, and that there's this great sense of unity and a sense of family and togetherness, and when you return to spirit, it's not a sterile environment. And that those uh, who are your ancestors come out of the woodwork, and they help you with the process of getting your feet back under you and reclaiming the old, new you, if you will, Mm -hmm. in the sense of we're uh, not humans having spiritual experiences, we're spirits having a human experience here. Yes. Yes. But I digress. I understand we are, our time is up.
0: Any closing thoughts? Um, it's killing me because I don't want to hang up. But we're going well, to, and we're going to do well, something else. Um, again. I think
1: that the number one <laughs> thing is for people to realize that if you dismiss your loved one's attempts to connect with you as being chance or coincidence and so right. on and so forth, imagine if you will, you're walking down the street, the phone rings, the phone, you know, a public pay phone. You pick it up, it's grandma. You're like, that's weird. How'd grandma know I would be here? That's not Grand. That's someone. Impo- they're an imposter. They're just messing. Right. Them. And you hang it up. Or you go, that's just a coincidence. And someone else with the same name.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: And grandma's like, but, but that was me. You- yeah. <laughs> and after a while, they stop trying. Because if they're not getting through, why, why would you continue to waste your effort? So the more that we accept or acknowledge that, they, A, they exist, B, contact is real, C, they can help us, the more benefit that that understanding and the relationship that we can develop with them will have on our lives.
0: And they can be really subtle messages coming through. It
1: can be very subtle, and it can be very, very overt. So, you know, it can be as simple as, turn left, don't turn right. And I do it, and I save my life. (laughs) Because if I turned right, I would have gotten T-boned.
0: Yes, yes. Things like
1: that. Those things really do happen. And so it's not to be dismissed lightly.
0: Oh, thank Charles, thanks so much. Oh,
1: you're welcome. Oh. And, of course, anybody can get a hold of me at uh, the World Wide Web at uh, yep. hmm. And it, or and that's P-E-D-E-N. Yep. And or they can call uh, 925-360-7853 for scheduling. And, um, of course, um, send in an email through the website. Mm-hmm. And um, there you have it.
0: And for our listener, too, be... Besides, thanks for being here. I hope you had as much fun as I did, and got goosebumps as uh, I did as well. If you go to the website, we don't die dot com, I have a picture of Charles Peden, and also his uh, phone number and the the links and stuff like that, so you can get back in touch with them and Charles any assistance I can be in the future however you wish to spread your message and teach people and train people I've got to, I've it,
1: got some ideas I've got yeah. some big stuff um, once we go off air I do want to talk to you for a split yep. second
0: but you have my support in, in whatever oh, it is you want to you. do and for our listener I just want to thank you again for taking the time to be here uh, my name is Sandra Champlain I've been your host on we don't die radio I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here here on Earth is important. So I thank you for being here. Please drop by We Don't Die Radio.com, join the Insider Club, and you can have a free read of my book, We Don't Die. So thanks again to Charles Peden, and we'll see you all soon.